Uh, welcome to week two of Almost Honest Christians. Like, if we would put the, a list together of the things that we don't like to do, my guess is all of us would have some things that are unique to us. Like, I know a whole lot of you love fixing things, working on things, uh, have gifts and skills for it, and would love to spend three or four hours in your garage. I don't. There are some of you who love mowing the lawn. I don't. There are some of you who think shoveling your driveway is the greatest thing ever. I don't. We can disagree on a lot of those things. Our list might be different about the things we don't like to do, but my guess is there are certain things that if I asked you, uh, would you say you don't like to do this, don't want to do this, it, it's on your list, would be the same as mine. In fact, I'd probably argue that 99.9% .9 of most people would have a few things on their list that are in common. Like when it comes to household chores, like I, I've never once in my life, from the time I was little to now when I'm 50, have I ever heard myself, my wife, my kids, or my parents ever say, hey, when we divvy up these jobs, you know, which one would you like? Ooh, 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 let me be the one who cleans the toilets. Like, no one wants to do that. Or how about when you go to the doctor for certain tests? Like, let's just be honest. Like, ladies, when you have to have some of those tests that the doctors go in, like a mammogram, or some of you, if you've reached the golden age of 50 and you have to go in and have a colonoscopy, like after you're done, you get out, the medication, the medication wears off. I've never once heard a doctor tell me, no offense doctors, that a patient said to him, doctor, that was the greatest experience of my life. Can I come back next week for another? Like there are certain things that we would say we don't like. Like right now, you're all getting your W-2s, your 1099s, you're getting your paperwork together, you're getting ready to take it off either to your tax person or do the daunting task of doing it on your own. None of you are asking the government to come back in six months and make you go through it again. We, there are certain things we just don't want to do. Taxes is probably on the list. But we have to. Like Even those things that make the list of things we don't like to do, we need to do them whether it's the chores at home, whether it's the tests that doctors do, whether it's the payment of taxes and getting all that stuff together, they not, might not be much enjoyed, they might not be liked, they might not be fun, but we need to do them. And that's today's Almost Honest Christian topic. Like last week we began talking about confession, and, and, and doing that is hard, but I think all of us understand the win from doing it in church regularly, like being honest with God, confessing our sins, celebrating the faithfulness of God. I, I, str I struggle at times to be open and honest with it, but we can see the win of it. Like spiritually, it's freeing. The joy, the peace, the hope, the, the great news of what God has done for us when we do that, there's a big win and we get the why. But today's topic probably is at the top of the list of spiritual things that that Christians don't want to do. Confront. And I'm not talking about confrontation in general. There are some of you here who love to push buttons and love confrontation and love disagreements and love arguments. Like, we're not talking about that kind of confrontation. Like, the debates that took place this week on all the talk shows regarding who's the greatest of all time in basketball. Like, LeBron James, now the scoring record title holder, People are still comparing him to Michael Jordan. Like, we're not talking about that kind of confrontation. 
We're talking about spiritual confrontation. Like when sin happens, confrontation. And that's why this topic made this series, because almost honest Christians need to admit this reality that there is a sinner that you are not confronting. Maybe it's someone in your group, your life group, that you've done life with for a long time right now, and and you know there's sin happening, that they're continuing in it, that they haven't repented of it, and you are not confronting it. For some of you, it's your spouse. Like, you know that the things that they're doing are not godly. It, It goes beyond what God wants them to do, or they're not doing the things God has called them to do, and and yet you're letting it slide. There are some of you here who have friends who you know are crossing lines in different ways with different things, and yet you haven't spoken up. I want you to think about that person, that situation. Maybe maybe right now in your life, all your friends, all your family, the people in your life group, they all have it so together that none of them qualify as that. But I'm going to be honest, I doubt it. And here's why. Because I'm an almost honest Christian in regards to confronting. And that's why we have to get honest today. About this topic, about this issue, what does God say about it? What does God want us to know about it? So that instead of being almost honest, we can be honest. Because there are some pretty big stakes involved. Now here's the thing. As you heard the list or you think about the list of of things that might need to be confronted that you're not, if you have that individual in mind, I, I first want you to think about the why that's the case, that you're an almost honest Christian when it comes to confronting. Like some people, when it comes to confronting, go biblical. The Bible says, do not judge. Only God gets to judge. Therefore, confrontation is not my gig, it's God's. Some of you, why you don't do it is because you know you should. You you see what's going on, but you're not sure. If you maybe just ignore it, you let it slide, they'll figure it out. You won't have to confront them because someone else will or, or they'll wake up. For some of you, a lot of you, me, it's fear. Like oftentimes confrontation when it comes to sin involves the people that are closest to us. Like the ones under our roof, the ones we interact with, the people in our group, the people that know us best and we know best. And so if we confront that friend about their lifestyle choices, we are afraid that we're going to lose that friendship, so we don't. Or maybe if you're like me, your your fear is, I know I want to do it, I know I need to do it, but I'm not sure how to do it, and I'm afraid that I might be legalistic and do it incorrectly, which stops me from doing it. All of which leads me to this honest truth. Like, I don't know what it is that's your why behind the knot of confrontation and being an almost honest Christian, but I want to be honest, 
I want to give this to you. I don't want to uh, sugarcoat it in any way. Confronting isn't easy. It's not. Like, doing it well is not easy. Like, confronting people you love and people that are important to you, it's not easy. Like, I get it. I understand it. I don't want to minimize that in the least. But you know what God says about it? Do it. Be courageous. And the Bible says, confront. Confronting isn't easy. But you know what's not also biblical? The easy road that many of us take. Like it's easier to talk about that person than to talk to that person. But that's not biblical, that's honest. It's easier to ghost them than to go to them. And that's not biblical either, if we're honest. What's easier is to to vent about them, to gossip about them, to slander them than it is to confront them. And none of those things are godly, even though they're easier. See, the truth is, a lot of times, the ways we handle confrontation or don't handle confrontation is just as sinful as the thing that we need to confront. Which is why at 922, we think it's time for us to be honest. Like to talk about what God calls us to do and have a very un- clear understanding of, of what to confront, how to confront, and why to confront it. Because it isn't easy. And that's my goal for you today is to answer those three questions from the Bible so that you know the honest words of God. This isn't pastor, this isn't a church's belief, this is the biblical belief on confrontation, because God wants us to be honest Christians. Question number one, whom and what should we confront? And this is important to get right, even though you might think you know the answer. I want to give you a little bit of information and things to remember. Two passages that help answer the question. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. In Galatians 6, you heard before, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. Two answers to those questions, whom and what should we confront? Here's the whom. God calls Christians to confront Christians. Because I need you to hear this. Sometimes we don't do that. It's hard to confront the Christian, the person that we know, the person that we do life with. And sadly, sometimes we go after the people who aren't Christians. Like God did not call you to confront your unbelieving boss who's sleeping with someone you work with. It's wrong. It's immoral. And there might be workplace issues that need to be reported, but confronting his sin one-on-one, going to that person and saying, you're sinning, you're violating God's word, stop, don't do it anymore. The standard that he lives by is not God's word. You are misapplying confrontation. But so many of us love to confront the unbeliever versus the believer. God's talking about Christians confronting fellow Christians. And that's who God calls you to confront. Not your atheist brother-in-law, not 
the boss, not that person, your neighbor, Christians. Christians. By every measure, you can look at the verses and say it's brothers and sisters, people who have a close relationship with, people that you're doing life with. Like, you might know someone who's a Christian who lives in California who posts something on social media. It might not be your job to confront them. Like, you don't have a relationship with them. You don't know all the answers. You can't have a face-to-face go-to. Like, God can call, can, calls Christians to confront the Christians that they do life with and that they know. And he calls them to confront fellow Christians and confront sin. Sin. Like the Ten Commandments. What God says to do and not to do, and when they don't do it or are doing it, sin. God calls you to confront them when their sin is against you personally, when you've experienced it. Right? So it's real to you. Relationships are in danger. Yours, with them, with others maybe, with God. Or sin that they're caught in. And I need you to hear this. Like, every time you go out with friends, you shouldn't be the the alcohol patrol. Like, if your idea of getting drunk is more than one drink, but they have two or maybe three, maybe they get a little close, but it's only one time, be careful. They might not be sinning. Like, caught in a sin means ongoing, repeated, unrepentant, like they know it or maybe don't know it, they're struggling with it, and you see it over and over and over and over and over again, and they have not repented of it. Like, care about your brothers and sisters, speak into the lives of the people that you know, but don't lead with hammers over things you're not sure are sinful. And definitely do not believe it's your job to confront things that are preferences, opinions, and not biblical truths. Like politics. Like when you call someone out for sinning because they voted for that person and that party, God does not say that. Knock it off. Like you can have conversations about it. You should debate it, what you believe you should look for an elected official, but politics, nowhere in the Bible does it define a party or an individual as a sinner whether it's alcohol, whether it's dancing, whether it's, you know, this, that, or another thing, there are are some areas that you need to be careful with because you have a preference and an opinion, and it's not a fact. Confront sin. If you need to review what it is, start with Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments will give you a pretty good idea. In regards to sexuality, in regards to how people honor and use God's name, in regards to how people speak of others. like It's full of a whole lot of great things that can start to be your guide. If you're not sure, ask. I'm not going to be the first one to go because God says that's your job, but if you want a passage that says, I'm trying to figure out what's right and wrong in God's eyes in regards to this topic, can you help me? We will. Confront Christians as Christians and confront sin But before you do the confronting of a fellow Christian, I need you to stop and pause and understand the how, because it might be far more important than anything else you hear today. Like, here's what God says about how we should confront. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. 
First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Notice what it doesn't say and what it does say. It doesn't say because you have a big old plank in your eye and they only have a speck, you don't have to do it. But because you have a big plank in your eye, you better do something else first. Get down on your knees and be humble with God. Like before you confront someone else's sin, confront your own sin. Like own it, acknowledge it, do what we did in week number one, confess it. Like get your heart in the right place, be humble. Because you know what happens when you confront when you don't do that? You lead with the hammer. Your goal is to bring that person down to their knees and make them feel some pain, and that is not godly, nor is it anything close to godly confrontation. Be humble. And then be honest. Like, that's what the rest of the passages say. Go back to the ones we read before. See how they end, just between the two of you. Like, make it personal. This is one-on-one. Don't talk about them, don't slander them, go to them. And be honest. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Like your heart should be in the right place and the words that you lead with should not come in so strong and so hard that what's important and what your goal is can't happen. Don't make assumptions about people's motives, but tell them the truth. Be honest. This is what you did, and it hurt me. My guess is maybe you didn't intend to, but this is how I felt. This is what I saw. Are you hurting? Are you struggling? How can I help you? Like, be honest. Be humble. And loving confrontation involves 200 proof, grace, and truth. And no one modeled those things better than Jesus. Like Jesus was, was always honest and Jesus always confronted with grace and truth. Like think about how he confronted Peter the night before he died. Came with the truth and with 100% honesty. Think about how he confronted the adulterous woman when the people wanted to stone her and by right, by law, they could. Jesus confronted them and said, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. When they didn't, he looked her in the face and said, they're gone, and neither do I condemn you. Grace. But go and sin no more. Truth. Like, there's a reason why the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, but the sinners did. Like, it's not that he didn't confront them. It's that he came honest but also came with 200 proof truth and grace. Which really kind of gets into the why. Like the why behind the what of who we confront is probably the most important thing you can think about. Like just think about how many passionate confrontations you have about things that matter zero to God. Like think about the last confrontation you had with that person about politics or sports or your favorite teams, like, like how deep the conversation went, how long you argued the case, 
how much you are willing to carry out that confrontation. And it had nothing spiritual at all at stake. Why does God want us to confront? Because there's something he's passionate about. You and me and them because eternity is at stake. Eternity. Like if someone is caught in a sin, if they're unrepentant of a sin, if they don't turn from that sin, like if they'd rather live in it than, than stop doing it, the Bible's filled with passages that talk about where that leads. Leads to hell. Like the person who says, we can go on sinning because grace might increase. God says, by no means. We died to sin. So that those who live for him no longer live for themselves. The Bible is filled with all sorts of reminders of why. But if you need any other why than me saying so, look there. Like the why of confrontation is found in the very truth that Jesus confronted sin head on to pay the price that you and I couldn't pay so that we could spend eternity with God. He wants all people to be saved. And that person that you're not confronting or that person that you are willing to confront is someone who's precious to God and eternity is at stake. And Jesus minced no words. He was completely honest when he said it. If you go, if they sin, go, and just between the two of you, if they listen, in other words, if they take it to heart, they apply the truth, you have won them over. James, Jesus' half-brother, adds a little flavor to it. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways, if someone is wandering from the truth, will save them from death, eternal death, and cover over a multitude of sins. Eternity is at stake, Jesus says. Why confront, the Bible says, because if not turned from the error of their ways, if they remain caught in their sin, they are not won over, but they are lost. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't overlook it. The, the grandchild or, or child that you have that is openly and willingly violating God's word and you don't speak into it, they are endangering their soul. I know you can say someone else down the road will confront them, but I can guarantee you is one day they will be confronted by God himself. And there are only two options and things you will hear on that day. Away from me or welcome. The kingdom prepared for you. Like There aren't multiple choices. It's not all of the above. It, it's either or. Take to heart the why. And if you have to confront, remember the why. And if you are the one being confronted, it will be very easy to be defensive, to shift the blame, to point the finger, to judge them back. Remember the why. Remember the why. They love you, and they're less concerned about being right because they're concerned about you being right with God. Maybe to help you remember the, the why is this. STP equals LTP. Like confronting is hard. It is not easy. There will be some pain involved. 
for you in doing it. You might risk losing relationships. There might be some pain involved for the person you confront because they're going to have to deal with it. But that is only short-term pain. It is short-term pain. And short-term pain is worth it when long-term pleasure, eternity with God, is the truth that happens. Because the opposite can be true. If you don't go through with it, if you don't do it, if you avoid it, if you leave it to somebody else, that person will remain caught in that sin. That person might continue to have some short-term pleasure, but it will be long-term pain. And God doesn't want that for you or for them. Which is why God wants us to be honest Christians and why we want our church to be filled with people who are courageous and willing to confront. Because they know why. And when they do, they understand how. Because they know who. They know you. So can I put this on your heart? I know these situations are hard. I know they are all unique. But can I convince you the next time that you think that situation is one that you should confront, that when you hem or haw as you pray about it, like if you get to that point because you've seen it enough times and you know it, you know what the Bible says about it. It's not your opinion. It's not a matter of preference. It's the truth. And God's calling you to be honest. Remember this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. I know that because I didn't much like it when I've gotten openly rebuked by my friends. My human heart wants to push back, doesn't want to listen. But I'm thankful for that confrontation. And I pray that you can say the same in your life, both past, present, and future. Because open rebuke from a, a friend is better than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If our church and our relationships are made up of friends like that, if they wound us so that we can be healed, we will all be blessed. And you don't have to do it alone because the one who is ultimately faithful, who bore wounds and confronted the cross for you and me, promises to be with us, promises to bless us. I want you to remember why. Eternity is at stake. And he wants all people to be saved. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, confrontation is so hard when it comes to spiritual matters. Like there are things that none of us like to do. And this might be one of the most difficult things to do as a Christian. So give us courage to, to be willing to do it. Give us humility to get knee first at the foot of the cross and, and confess our sins, understand our great debt to you, so that as we go, our goal is for them to see your great love and forgiveness and have hearts that are repentant. But Lord, in the midst of the world in which we live, we know we'll face the difficulty that confronting is, but we know that you will give us courage and the ability to do it well as we listen to your word because you long for us to be honest Christians in the face of sin, both ours in confessing it and for others who we love in confronting it.